Welcome to Freedom Slave Podcast, where fempreneurs, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs come to fast track their success. If you're a millennial girl boss, listen, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the goods, because every week you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your business goals to create a life of time and financial freedom. I'm Ganette Jones, your host and Freedom Slayer in charge here. Let's begin. Hey guys, today we are going to be talking about setting up an online shop, right? Not necessarily a shop, but a business. If you have business online, if you want to have majority of your business online, or maybe you're already thriving online. I know this says startup kit and online business 101. And while there will be things that people from the very beginning who haven't started yet can grab and go with it, there's still going to be some great reminders as well as some new things you may be finding out even if you already run an online business. So I think you're going to get a lot of great value out of today's episode. So I can't wait to begin by sharing the seven things you need to set up an online business the right way. So step number one will be the most obvious, which is a website. Of course, if you're looking to do anything online, you need to have a hub where people can go to find out more or to purchase from you, right? Obvious stuff here. So on your online site, there's a few different things that are must-haves if you want to succeed or if you want to turn it up a notch. So a lot of times you go on people's site and they think that a website's a website's a website. And that's not the case. In fact, the way you present yourself online is going to determine whether or not someone's actually going to purchase from you. And there's no one size fits all here because how someone's going to present their medical business where maybe they do prescriptions online is going to be so much different from someone who may be a business coach or someone who's selling clothing or shoes or whatever. First and foremost, you have to understand what is right for your industry, but also getting really clear on who your ideal audience is most important because if let's say you're a business coach and you're trying to target millennials if they're coming to your page and it's some formal stiff resume that sounds like something off of a doctor's site then you may not turn them into a buyer because they aren't relating to your message so your about page shouldn't look like or mimic another about page of like a major corp for instance the about us page you don't even have to call it about page like Let's give you some deets about me, whatever. You can call it whatever you think your audience is going to resonate with. And on that about page, because in case you don't know, the about page, other than the landing page that people come onto as soon as they put on your website, is the one page that has the most views and that people stay the longest. So it's really important that your page is a great representation of you, great representation of your business. And I'm sharing this because I find when people are thinking of their website, especially if it's an online shop, like a Shopify shop that sells like jewelry or something like that, right? Actual physical products. A lot of times they're focused more so on the products themselves than the other pieces of the website that people care about, especially if you're targeting millennials. I keep saying that. And because this is a podcast targeting millennials, I'm going to keep referring to these things, okay? So outside of that about page that we spoke about or whatever you decide to call it, It's super important as well to have a testimonials page and you can call it whatever you want as well, right? Praise what people are saying, whatever you want it to be. The name isn't nearly as important as what you're putting in there. And the reason is we're influential creatures by nature. If you go on Amazon and there are two products that look the exact same, but one has 649 reviews and the other one doesn't have any, you're going to go with the one that has 649 reviews, even if it's the same product, because we like to see that someone else has tried it, tested it, and that it's worked for them. And if you don't have testimonials yet, because you are starting right at the beginning, which is fine, you can make it a bit more personal having something else like a start here page 
or a page where you share things that's going to happen next. It just makes it a more personalized experience and it helps you to stand out from the millions of other pages out there that aren't doing this. That said, having a new business, whether it's product or service based, should not stop you from getting testimonials or reviews on your product. Get them in advance because that's going to ensure that when you do launch that it's most successful. And now I can do an entire podcast all on testimonials, reviews, how to get them, where to put them and all that good stuff. So I'm not going to spend too much time on that. In fact, I don't want to spend too much more time on the website thing anyway. Websites are super important. And of course, you want to have your product page. That's something that's obviously important as well. You want to have a contact form. Also, if someone's purchasing from you, they want to make sure that if they do purchase from you, anything goes wrong, that they have a really easy way to contact you. And that takes us to the next one, which is having an email service provider. And I say this takes us to the next one because on your website, on multiple pages, you should have an opt-in form. And an opt-in form, I'm sure you've seen these a million times before. It's where you put your name, your email address, possibly a phone number, and it allows you to build a closer relationship with your audience. You get their air in their inbox. You don't own your social media platform, but you do own your email list, which is great. You should be able to reach them outside of social media. And this is one of the ways, one of the many ways. So that's what we're talking about now having an email service provider. So that is the company that allows you to aggregate all the emails that you collect because it's really tacky, if we're honest, being sent from a regular email and just BCCing people. And also it's a lot more difficult to manage. If you have a proper email service provider, not only does it allow you to organize the names and emails and things that you have, and you can begin using that for data collection and a few other things like data dumps for different things, but it allows you to segment the list. So if someone ups in for a specific type of product or service, then you can see what they're interested in and you can send more specific or specialized emails to them. It's just super important to have an email service provider. It makes it easier for you. It's better for the customer. It looks better for your business. So by all means, get one. And by no means do you have to break the bank in order to do this. In fact, some options are free. A really popular one for those who are starting out is MailChimp. It's actually free up until your first 2,000 subscribers, which is great, especially for newbies. Of course, I wouldn't be able to get the free version of MailChimp if I used MailChimp because I have more than 2,000 subs on my list, way more than 2,000. But to begin with, it's a great option. You also have newbie ones like Constant Contact as well as Aweber are pretty good for those who are starting out. Then there are other softwares that are much more advanced that give you so many other options. So there are so many to choose from. I would not do it justice naming them all. You have Infusionsoft, you have Simplero, ConvertKit, Entreport, just so many. Choose which ones are right for you after doing research. But like I said, to begin with, MailChimp gives you the basics that you will need. And if you get over 2,000 subscribers, then you can just upgrade to one of their paid plans. That's an option as well. But for free, you get 2,000 subscribers along with 10,000 emails that you can send out per month. And I highly doubt you're going to be sending more than 10,000 email blasts a month. So you'll be good with that. The other thing that an email service provider does, does so many things. But one thing that it allows you to do is the opt-in forms we talked about earlier is putting them on your website. So your website, especially if you build it yourself and you create like you use a template they usually give you an option to put in an opt-in box of some sort. However, that means it's a manual backend. You can collect the names and email addresses good enough, but then you'd have to somehow organize it yourself. With an email service provider, you can segment lists. Like I said, you can create one that says, let's say blue t-shirts, white t-shirts, or you know, list that opt-in in for this freebie or this freebie or whatever. 
And from there, it lets you create that list and copy and paste and embed code onto your website. And this may be getting too technical for some of you. So I'm not going to stay on this part too long, but you can literally copy and paste an embed code and put their opt-in box on your website, which would allow the second someone signs in from your website to feed straight to whoever your email service provider is. It will feed into that list that you created. For instance, on my site, if you opt in for a freebie, so let's say my winning plan of purpose, you have to put your name and email address in to get that, which is over at gaynete.com, G-A-Y-N-E-T-E.com forward slash WPP, which stands for winning plan of purpose. If you sign up to get that, it's going to put you on my main list, yes, but it's also going to tag you and show me that you opted in through this freebie. So maybe I can create more things that are in alignment with that freebie to work with you. So anyway, I say that, and then I say the main one on my website would just be a main one that goes to my email. As soon as you go on my homepage, it's one that says opt-in for a newsletter, blah, 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 blah. Then if you sign up for that one, it goes automatically to that list. So you can segment your list that way, and it doesn't have to. Re- it doesn't require me to touch it at all, which I love. And now, you know, I like to keep it all the way 100 with you, right? So I didn't always have an email service provider. When I first started, I did use a template that was on the templated website because I have built all my websites myself. And what I did was use their opt-in box, but that was so manual, especially when my list grew from 33 people, 30 of which were family and friends I forced to be on the list. Do not do this, but this is a topic for another day. I did this at the beginning. But if your family and friends are not your ideal clients, there's no need to force them to be on the list. So anyway, it went from 33 people, 30 of which were family and friends, to 750 at the end of that month. By the next month, it had doubled, and it's been growing ever since. And this was many years ago. So when I did this, the process was ridiculous, trying to get that 750 by the end of that month on a manual thing so I can send emails. And I ended up subscribing at that point to constant contact initially i then moved to aweber and now i'm with simplero and super happy so yeah i have to keep it honest with you right i don't want you to think like oh my goodness i'm got so far to go i'm not doing this right yeah you may not be but most people aren't right so that's what the whole point of this podcast is to assist you so that you have less stumbling blocks along the way and you can get it going and upright and running the first time around or very close to it closer than where you would be if you didn't have this information. So I think I drilled home the important bit of having an email service provider. And one thing I didn't mention is that there's many things about it I didn't mention. Again, this this could be a whole separate podcast as well, all about growing your email list and things like that. So if that's something you're interested in, send me a DM over at Gainete over on Instagram, and I just may create a whole new podcast all about that. But another thing that it does that's really important is that it tracks all the analytics. So you can see what's opening, who's opening, what they're clicking on. You get to track all of those things. Maybe you can test different times and see which times you send it create a better open rate because maybe you're just catching people at inconvenient times, right? If you're sending your emails Monday morning, they may not have time for that. So you can play around and test, which would eventually roll into better sales because you're tracking what's working and what's not. Plus you get geographic data. And just to backtrack really quickly about the website, I forgot to mention, but I do think it's obvious, but just to eliminate any doubt, ensuring that your product page has really clear imagery and great copy. So really important that you have 
professional photos as well as copy that has been vetted. And copy is just the writing, the way you're communicating, which is why they say copyright, right? So the copy that you have on your website, how you're communicating with the client, make sure you're checking that you don't have too many typos and errors and stuff like that. I mean, no one's perfect. So you may have one here or there, but you want to ensure that your page is as clean as possible from any of those common mistakes, because it just helps build that no like and trust factor even faster with your audience if it doesn't look like a spammy site. So take the time to look over your site, all the places where you have words, ensuring that there aren't any obvious spelling or grammatical errors. Have other people look at it for you, because sometimes you can be really great at spotting this type of stuff on others' things. However, when it's your own thing and when you're looking over it over and over and over again, sometimes you miss the most obvious things. I said things a lot. Ah, way to go, Ganete. Anyway, you get the point, right? <laughs> and then we're going to move on to the next one, which is ensuring that you have a social media presence and not just a presence, but you want to ensure that you have one that makes your customers want to open up their wallet, like take it, take it, take it. And how you approach this is going to vary depending on what you're selling, right? If you have a product-heavy based business, it will be a very different approach than if you were to have a service-based business. But in this podcast, we're just touching the general things that's going to assist you to really step it up on your social media. This is by no means an extensive or even an entry-level version of social media. We're looking at starting an online business. We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. As a whole, I actually have an entire course that's specifically on social media and all the things you could be doing there that really helps you get more sales and grow your page organically. However, that's not what we're going into today. In fact, if you do want that social slate training, I'll put the link down in the show notes in the description. You can grab it there. Today, we're just going to touch on the basics, the bare, bare basics. And that is to pick a platform or two and to be consistent. Because here's the thing, you don't have to be everywhere, especially if it feels like it's taxing for you to be everywhere. You don't have to. I, I mean, I'm on Facebook, but I'm never on Facebook. I literally drive the posts I put on Instagram to my Facebook page because I know there are people that prefer Facebook. However, the majority of my audience is on Instagram. And when I say pick a platform, I mean pick a platform where your audience is at, not necessarily one that you prefer because you may love Twitter, but Twitter isn't where you're going to get your sales, right? So maybe your audience is on Instagram or maybe they're on Facebook or maybe they're an older audience and they're not on social platforms at all. And you can better relate and reach them, you know, in the traditional media. Maybe that's it as well, right? So maybe that then means you have to be more frequent on the in the news or on the radio and places like that. Depending on your budget, maybe even a billboard or possibly guerrilla marketing may work really well. Either way, their family's likely on social and can share what they see on there with them. And if you feel like you can take on more than two or three platforms, then by all means, go for it. If that's what you feel like you can do and handle it. However, I just want you to at least focus on being consistent, the important thing, on at least 
one or two. And when I say consistent, I mean, don't go and take long hiatuses. Cause again, this comes back to the no like and trust factor, right? If someone has heard of you through someone else, let's say, especially when your business is new and growing, if someone heard of you or your business through someone else, and then that person visits your page to potentially be a potential customer and they see you haven't posted in a while, it may turn them off. Cause then again, it's that subliminal message, that subconscious thing that says, Hey, I'm not around. Can you really trust me? And I'm not talking about the whole Beyonce thing. Beyonce, and I tweeted about this a while ago as well. A lot of people tried to do the elusive and exclusivity branding that Beyonce does. She doesn't have to post for months on end. She doesn't have to because she's Beyonce. But even when she was building her brand initially, when she was building up a name for herself, she was on every red carpet. She was on every news station. She was on every interview or doing all the interviews. She wasn't taking the approach that she is today. She did the groundwork. She laid it out. So it always makes me chuckle when I see people trying to mimic these bigger brands with this exclusivity type marketing and branding because they are two different things but again that's a topic for another day but when i see people doing this it always makes me chuckle because they aren't there yet and it could be detrimental to your business from the onset so you just have to put in the work initially period show up be consistent provide value really important whether you have a product-based business or a service-based business it's one way to quickly add sales when you could build again that no like and well no love and trust factor even better when you can build that faster it's even better it used to be said that it takes seven approaches before someone purchases from you seven meaningful interactions not even just regular interactions seven meaningful interactions they saw something they liked it they saw something maybe you wrote and it resonated or whatever, seven times. That's changed to 10. And I got this information from Susan Harrow, who is a friend of mine and she's actually a PR master and she has a publicity course and she used to do all of these things. She's helped people get on Oprah and in the Oprah magazine and on Food Network and all the places. So I think she knows what she's talking about, you know? So that's who I like to get information from, from people who know who've been there. And the problem a lot of people have is that they're trying to learn from people who aren't where they're going. And that's a huge mistake. You have so many people trying to tell you how to play the game and they're sitting on the sidelines. Nuh-uh, you stay on the sidelines, let me play, and I'll figure it out or get some advice from someone who knows what they're talking about, period. And while you can watch people and learn from other people's mistakes, when it comes to growing and learning how to do the right thing, I like to learn from people who are steps above where I am all the time. So my teachers right now are all seven and eight figure business owners, and they're the ones who's gonna give me that information that I require to get to the next level. Okay, so the fourth thing that you need to pay attention to, and I hope you're keeping up. So one was website, two was email service provider, three was the social media presence thing, and number four is sorting out your payment gateway and merchant. Super important. And for two reasons. One, people can't pay you if you haven't sorted out the payment system yet, right? And two, I feel like it's an energetic exchange as well. If you have a block when it comes to your payment gateway center, the section where it comes to people paying, then you're gonna get less sales. I've seen on too many occasions where people are putting the cart before the horse. They're putting all these things out there to, for people to purchase without sorting out how you're gonna make payments. So you click, you add something to cart, and then it's like, oh, we'll be in contact with you in X amount 
on today's or here's the wire payment instructions or here's this or whatever or coming soon after you've added it to the cart. No, sort that out in advance so that once you're up and running, you're running for real. And there are so many options similar to the email service provider. You have so many options with payments, right? You have your PayPal, you have your Stripe, you have so many Spreedly, you have authorized.net you have just so many out there and there are a lot of popular ones there are a lot of ones i think it's square or whatever it's called it's so many different ones so i'm going to tell you do the research and find out which ones are the best for you i did a training like this with my freedom slate in a circle and we dove into which ones are best for different types of products and services and all of that but we just don't have the time to get into that today but sorting out your payment system is super important and it's much easier if you're in a bigger country, like you're in the US or you're in Canada or UK or somewhere like that, Australia. Somewhere big like that, you often have multiple options. It's when you get to the smaller places like a Bermuda or maybe any of the other little islands where you really have to get creative with how you get this sorted. And not just creative, but to also do your research. And this is research across the board as well. Even if you are from one of the larger countries, do your research. They all have different fee schedules. You need to figure out what's going to work best for you, how soon they deliver it. Does it hit your account the same day? Does it hit your account within days? Maybe there's a threshold and once it hits a threshold, then it comes through to your account. Get clear on all of this as well as all the options available to you and make sure you look at them against each other and decide on the one that's best fit for you and your business. And some sites, in fact, most types of sites allow you to integrate payment, especially like a Shopify. However, some of the options that are available may not be the best fits for you. So make sure you do your research. You're going to keep hearing this throughout maybe multiple podcasts because I think it's so important, especially if you want to be an entrepreneur. There's a certain mindset that's required. And one of those things is to take your business and where you're going in your own hands. And that means to find out all the different options you have available and choosing what's best for you. Okay, so the next one is pretty obvious as well, and that is a product or service. Duh, right? You have to have a product or service if you're trying to sell something online. So I think we don't have to spend too much time with this. However, what I will say is to figure out what's desired, not just what you want or what you want to sell. What is needed? What problem are you solving? That's what makes sales, right? When you're solving a problem and the problem doesn't have to be super complex. It could provide someone more confidence through a cute outfit. Like it does not have to be a really deep thing, right? However, you have to solve some type of problem or give them something that they desire. You can't just create something and then say, oh, I like it. Let me give it to them. That can create a lot of heartache, headache, as well as pocket ache at the end when your stuff doesn't sell. So get really clear on what's wanted, what's needed out there. And you do that so many different ways. You can do that by testing the market through pre-order sales. You can do that by surveying your audience. It's so many other ways that you can do this, but we're not going to stay on that. The other thing you want to ensure is that to get to your product or service and to purchase it, there aren't many clicks there should never be too many clicks between the time they land on your website to the time they can actually press the buy button to get there if it is then that's a big issue and they would likely get distracted or turned off before they ever buy and this is something I find an issue specifically with those who are really really artsy or creative in nature where they're trying to put together a website that's so cute that they forget about the logistics and how easy it is for the customer aesthetics never ever ever beats ease people would rather have a simple way to get to your product and purchase than have something that's visually appealing they can find that on TV they want to get to this product 
and they want to purchase. Of course, you want to make sure, like I said, it's clean images and it looks nice, but you also don't want it to be too much, a whole lot of flash and all that other kind of stuff that's not required. So I want you to think about it right now in your mind, how many clicks would it take from your homepage to get to your product and to sell it? And there's like birds outside doing the most. So you probably hear them in the background. But yeah, I want you to think about how many clicks will it take for your customer to purchase your stuff. So I know for mine, there's never, ever, ever, ever more than three from the homepage. Most of the things I do when I'm telling them swipe up or it's in the bio, they're usually right there on the page anyway. However, from your homepage, if someone's just coming onto your homepage, once they go on that landing page, how many clicks does it take for them to actually buy what it is that you have? And lastly, and more importantly, you need to share it. So many people have products and services and they're afraid to share them with their audience. But here's the thing, honey, nobody's gonna buy it if you don't tell them. People need calls to action. People need to know what you have to offer. And if you're too fearful to do that, then you're gonna have empty pockets. The whole thing about being an entrepreneur is being a saleswoman, being able to sell for yourself, right? Being able to put yourself and your business and your products and services out there. Because if you don't do it, no one else will. And you have to remember as well that you aren't bothering them. And if you are, then they'll just unsubscribe from your mailing list or they'll come off your page and that's fine. They're not your tribe. Keep going. You have to remember that what you're giving them is something of value. You are giving them something in exchange for their money. It's not like you're taking their money and running. It's not a raffle ticket. It's not a potentially valuable investment. It's valuable because the second that they pay, they're going to have your product and service or they're going to have it in a couple days, depending on if it's an actual product or service and how it's delivered. But you get the point here, right? You aren't scheming them. You are giving them something of value in exchange for their money and you need to stand proud in that. And now I said I didn't have a whole lot to say under this one, which was number five, product and service, but I guess I did. One, make sure that it's desired. Two, make sure it's not too many clicks. And three, make sure that you're actually sharing it. Okay, so we're gonna move on to number six, which is to study your industry. Didn't I just say research is gonna come up a lot? Research it all, not just your payment gateways, which we talked about, but research what works best with your audience. Even with the social media posts, do micro blogs work best? Do they prefer to have memes? Whatever it is. Now I'm just pulling two random examples, right? But figuring out what's really gonna be the thing that drives them to click. And more importantly, what drives them to buy. So you're gonna be doing your research on your marching gateways. You're gonna do research all around the social media as it relates to your industry. You're also gonna research your email service provider. You're gonna do all the research you need to with regards to your site and what works for your industry. I want you to figure it all out and I want you to dive in and figure it out completely because no one's gonna do this legwork for you. And absolutely no one's gonna care about your business more than you care about it. So take the time to do your research. And this is gonna take us to the final step, which is to invest in your success, step number seven. And this goes hand in hand with research because sometimes it means hiring someone to teach you how to do it best because they're familiar with it, because they're already steps ahead of you having done it before. That's who you wanna learn from. You wanna hire coaches, you wanna pay for courses, you wanna do the things that's gonna really help you level up. And doing that really helps you stand out in your industry because the reality is most people take the lazy approach. Most people don't do that extra bit. Most people don't want to pay the extra bit. But I truly believe that you aren't gonna get money 
consistently flowing in abundance to your business unless you invest in your own success. Money, like everything else, is an energy. So when you hold it tight and you're afraid of spending it out of fear that it's not going to come back, it's not going to come back because that's the energy you're putting out there. How can you expect people to invest in you and your business if you're not even willing to invest in yourself? So there you have it. Those are my seven steps. My online business 101 startup kit. Hopefully you found this super helpful. If you did, don't forget to take your screenshot of this. Tag me over on Instagram so I know you enjoyed the episode. Let me know what takeaways you got from it. So let's do a recap really quickly. One is your website, sorting that out. Number two is your email service provider. Three is social media presence. Four is sorting out your payment gateway and merchant. Five is your product or service, ups, right? Number six is study your industry. And number seven is invest in your success. Until next time. Okay, okay. I see you, Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you.